Welcome to Carolina True Crime, a podcast presented by WMBF News in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, where we take a deep dive into infamous crimes from the Carolinas, some with clear endings and others where mystery remains. Ashley Talley, news director at WMDF, and today I'm talking with our producer, Jack Vandertoll, about a case that we've been following for years now. A young mother, troubled past, it came to a violent and, and sad end. Jack, tell me, who was Angie Pipkin? Well, it's a name that may ring familiar to some who have lived in Horry County in the past five years. Unfortunately, aside from those who knew her best, to the common person, Angie Pipkin will likely be remembered for possibly little other than her untimely death and the events that would follow to bring her killer to justice. Was she from Horry County? She was. She and her family were uh, from Galvin's Ferry, and then she lived in Ainer. Okay. And her looking back on her story, her death is not only what you consider to be tragic, but in realistic terms, her death was violent. Uh, the story that would follow would only result in a desperate search, a shattered family longing for the return of their daughter, and a glimpse into really the darkness of humanity and what someone is truly capable of when mm. pushed to the edge. Mm. So, uh, but let's go back a little yeah, bit. Yeah, tell me from the beginning, kind of, what, who was she? What, what, was, what was she like? Well, Angela Grace Pipkin was only 32 years old when she left this earth. She, like we said, she lived in Orr County, she lived in Ainer, and only a few pictures that we have seen of her, it's easy to see that she was a very pretty woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was tall, she stood five foot ten. Mm-hmm. she had long, blonde, curly hair, and then she had brown eyes. Sounds kind of all-American, exactly, beautiful. Exactly, like the American girl. Yeah. So she, in, in all of her pictures, she's always smiling, mm-hmm. she looks happy. And to be clear for people that might not know, Ainer is a small town in western Horry County. Yes. Um, not out in the country, but kind of, right? A little bit out there. It's And, and Galvin's Ferry as well, where she was born, is the same kind of thing, kind of rural. It's easy to have a very small town feel yeah. when you're out there. It's It wouldn't be hard to believe that everyone comes into contact with every, everyone eventually, so everyone knows each other. Got so. you. And her family lives out there, so it's it could be easy to see how the Pipkins were a very well-known family, and um, and they were very close. Mm-hmm. Uh, her parents were Jerry and Gail Pipkin. They were from Galvin's Ferry as well. Mm-hmm. And um, Angie was a local girl. She graduated from Ainer High School, and she attended Grace Baptist Temple Church. Um, she was a mother of two. Okay. She had two daughters. Um, how old were they when she died? Do you know? Her two, uh, Taylor, her oldest daughter, was only 15. Mm. And her youngest daughter, Gracie, she was seven. Oh, gosh. Okay. But while Angie was here, her she had a very close relationship with her family from what they've told us. Mm-hmm. Um, her oldest daughter, Taylor, says she was very close with her mother. She said she called her mother her best friend. They would do things together. They would hang out, which is pretty refreshing you know for yeah. a 15 year old to have such a close relationship with her mom right so that's always good to see mm-hmm. and uh taylor said that she could talk to her mom about anything 
Mm -hmm. So that was a very tight relationship. And her mom, Gail, who you're going to hear from a lot in the story, uh, she would later describe her daughter as a lover of outdoors mm -hmm. and of people um, who did whatever she could to make them happy. Uh, Gail would also describe Angie as the peacemaker of her family and making sure that everybody got along. Mm -hmm. So Angie really seemed to be a light, not only in this community, but it seemed in this family. Mm -hmm. um, but as with everybody, Angie wasn't perfect. She, right. So, so far she sounds like this, like, perfect, wholesome mom, daughter, mm -hmm. you know, all-American. But there was some, there was a darker side that she lived through as well, right? She had her, she had her demons. Uh, Gail said that Angie loved her brother and her two daughters with all her heart. Um, but she had a problem, and that was addiction. Mm. And uh, Gail said Angie tried to get off pills that she was taking, but she couldn't. Like pain pills, I guess. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In court testimony, Gail would say... She volunteered to get help. She kept trying to get off of these pills that she was taking. But as much of a problem as it, as it was, Gail would testify that it didn't stop Angie from loving her family. Mm -hmm. so. so she may have had this addiction problem that she couldn't kick, but she wasn't a terrible person. She was still close with her family exactly. and everything. And so we have a, a woman who was very much loved and valued by the people who were in her life. Uh, despite these underlying troubles mm -hmm. and it seems as though things could have definitely been worse when all things considered but then everything changed in january 2014. what happened on january 16th pipkin's father jerry uh, dropped angie off at the iga store in ainer to meet with a friend of hers the iga just like the local grocery store i guess the local uh, grocery yeah, store, yeah. so mm -hmm. pretty casual yeah. Casual favor. Jerry says he went to go get ice cream. And then when he returned a short time later, Angie was gone. So he was supposed to pick her back up at the grocery store as well? Okay. Yes. So initially, however, there didn't seem to be a sense that anything was wrong. Mm -hmm. And so, and to be, to be fair, Angie, you know, she's 32 years old. It's right. not like she was like a young child. So yeah. I just thought that, probably just thought, she went off with a friend or she something. went off with a friend like that. I'm like, yeah. all right, all right, we'll see you soon then. Mm -hmm. it, it would have been easy to find reasons to... Not be too worried about it. Not be too worried. Got exactly. you. So, but things, unfortunately, did not get better. They only got worse. Several days went by with no contact from Angie. So her family went out seeking where she was. Do we know where her girls were at this time? Were the girls living with the grandparents? Or are we not sure? We're not sure. Okay. Yeah. So I believe but, but they must be taken care of. They weren't by yeah. themselves or anything. Okay. A week goes by without any contact from Angie. At this point, the parents are starting to get worried. So at this point, Gail Pipkin called police and Angie is reported missing on January 22nd, 2014. So is that weird at all that they waited a week? Possibly. I don't think that her previous struggles with addiction helped right, right perhaps that we thought that this was a cold acceptance that she's probably doing something that they disapproved of yeah but not necessarily missing that she, exactly. she's probably off with some friends or people or whatever it, it was it was probably that tragic assumption that she, she had done this before she'll just come back again right right but obviously that wasn't the case and at this point gail was doing 
everything that she could. Reports reveal Gail had actually checked her daughter's Facebook page to see if she could find any idea or clue of where her daughter was. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, she was left to find no recent activity. Meanwhile, Angie's cell phone was going straight to voicemail. So whenever Gail tried to call her, she couldn't reach her. So it was dad, the phone, I guess. Her mailbox was full. Mm. And it could be easy to understand at this time, a parent would start to panic. Yeah. And authorities were familiar with Angie's previous drug issues. Because she'd been arrested before, probably. Okay. And this would go in, and Angie would later be entered into the National Crime Information Center database as a missing person. Okay. Since she went missing, friends and family did whatever they could to try to get her name out there so she could be found. A Facebook page, Find Angie Pipkin, was set up with a few smiling pictures of Angie that we've come to be familiar with her with. Mm-hmm. Pictures of her smiling, out hiking with a dress, enjoying mm-hmm. life. And they also provided a description of what she was wearing the last time she was seen. What was she wearing last So last time Angie was seen, she was wearing a brown leather jacket, shorts, and a gray shin-high, gray shin-high boots. Hmm, okay. So, but she did have a change of clothes with her. So, but it was pretty casual. It was shorts, an extra t-shirt, and some tennis shoes. Kind of weird that she had a change of clothes if she was just going to see a friend for a second. Well, that actually, like, goes into the next part because we believe we know who the friend is. Okay. And that will actually come up here in just a moment. Okay. Um, and on January 27, 2014, the headline, 32-year-old Ori County woman reported missing, was posted by WMBF News. Okay. So, this so point, that was the first time we reported on it. Mm-hmm. It was on the 27th, which was... 11 days after she was last seen. Yes. Okay. So at this point, the word's out there, this woman is missing. And authorities were actually, and during the search in those first few days, authorities managed to catch Angie on surveillance camera footage the night she disappeared. It was from a Myrtle Beach food mart on Highway 707. Oh, interesting. So she had come into town, at least somewhat. You know, she was on 707 for Mainer. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, but in doing so, that means that she had a ride. Got ya. So someone took her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she couldn't have walked that way. Mm-hmm. And interestingly enough, that over a month would go by without any substantial leads in the case, which were released to the public. Got ya. Do you know if they did searches for her, or did they, did they not really know where to search? They, they didn't really know because they, I believe, the investigation went with interviews. Mm-hmm. Well, it was like knock on doors, talk about hey where she was. They kept getting stonewalled. He claims that. People didn't know where she was. However, not all of those... People are telling the truth. Exactly. Yeah. So, but late that February, a man would emerge that would forever be marked in this case. Okay. On February 27th, Ward County Police arrested a man named Randy Gale Robinson in connection with the disappearance of Angela Pipkin. So, at this point, she has not been... her. She hasn't been found. Her body hasn't been found, but they're... they're found the person that they think is responsible for her disappearing. Because we believe that this guy was the friend that Angie was going to go meet at the IGA and Got you. her dad dropped her off. Mm-hmm. So let me go back real quick to describe a little bit about Randy Robinson. Yeah. He was 46 years old when this all began and he was living in Merle's Inlet at the time. Mm-hmm. Describing him based on appearance, Randy Robinson's most prominent features could be seen as Shortcut red hair and a mustache with large dark brown eyes. Okay. He wasn't six foot tall. He stood about five foot ten. About the same height as her. Mm-hmm. 
He would later in court admit that he had a previous drug history, mm. saying that he had taken cocaine before. Mm-hmm. When questioned about his previous alcohol use in later court testimonies, he answered, quote, alcohol, yes, sir, I drank like a fish. Mm. He said he stopped drinking for about 10 years, but somehow picked it up again, adding he wished he could rewind his life and go back, but mm. he couldn't. So it sounds like he was fairly troubled, too. He, he was he very troubled. been through some things. So he was a very troubled soul, and that, along with Angie, that we would later come to find, it was just a recipe for disaster. Mm. Prosecutors would reveal Robinson had passed arrest for a long list of things, disorderly conduct, contributing to the delinquency of a minor, driving under the influence, assault of a high and aggravated nature, mm. possession of cocaine and criminal assault. He was sentenced he was sentenced to two years in jail previously, but he only served one year probation. Okay. Robinson's attorneys would later reveal that he had never spent a night in prison. Hmm. And we'd also learn that and during this time he we would later come to find that he did have a previous relationship with Pipkin. Okay. Of romantic nature, mm-hmm. sexual nature, okay. And there mutual substance abuse struggles would only prove to be detrimental to one another. Yeah. Definitely see that. And I can also think of somebody who is, you know, has been through addiction. They often are drawn to the wrong people, you know, whether they're getting high with them or getting drugs from them. They're they're probably around people that aren't very good for them sometimes. It's one of those dark, we have something in common. Right, right. So we can rely on one another to get to where we want to go. Right, right. Sad. From what we know, it seems they had a relationship that went back pretty far into 2013. But Had her parents ever met him? The parents were familiar with him. Okay. But they were not... Fans? He was not popular yeah, with the I, family. Yeah, I can imagine. And things, from what we understand, the relationship began to go downhill in late 2013. Robinson actually made a police report that December when... Pipkin disappeared with his truck to draw money from his bank account. Mm. On December 28th, a little bit later in the month, he complained she had taken his truck again. So two separate times, Robson called the cops on Pipkin. Hmm. For taking off with his for, truck. For taking off for his truck and taking his money. Mm-hmm. For The reasons behind that are not... 100%, we're not 100% sure. Mm-hmm. We can have ideas. We can speculate. Right. She was never charged with those, though? Correct. Okay. And later that later that month, Ann Pipkin left Ori County. So the two split ties for a while. Mm-hmm. But apparently they had patched things up, like, later in the month. Uh, next month, come January, mm-hmm. when Pipkin would be called to his house. Robinson was actually a name that had been floating in the investigation from the beginning. Mm -hmm. When Gail Pipkin, again Angie's mother, reported her daughter missing, she told police when Angie left home, she was headed to Randy Robinson's house. The the mother, Gail, told police that. Like, I know where my girl is. I know, I Mm -hmm. I bet I know where she's gone. Okay, interesting. So when her father dropped her off at the Aner IGA, she met up with a friend who agreed to drive her to Merle's Inlet. We believe this is Robinson. Okay. And as we said, Robinson was not well received by the family. They thought it was a poor influence. Mm-hmm. Sounds like he probably was. Mm-hmm. So G- Gail Pipkin told WMBF News she begged her daughter not to meet up with Robinson on January 16th. 
So from what we understand with this, it was probably mom talk daughter talking to her mom about boyfriend troubles. Right. I don't know if I'm gonna continue to see this guy. Mm -hmm. I don't know if he's good for me. It was that sort of thing. And then hey, I'm going to his house and her mom going, Angie, please don't do that. You know he's not good for you. Nothing good can come of this. Right. When she didn't come home on January sixteenth, relatives say they went actually went to Robinson's house to ask where she was. Hmm. A police report says he told them that he had not spoken to Angie in several weeks. Ah, oh, so he denies knowing anything about where she is, he hadn't talked it. to her. Okay. He hadn't seen her without a trace. He said he hadn't seen her. He said that he loved her very much and cared for her, but he had not seen her. Hmm. So he's basically fully putting, you know, all of his balls in one court, mm -hmm. saying, I had nothing to do with this, no idea, good luck. Meanwhile, he's suspect number one and exactly. eventually charged. Mm -hmm. Police went to the house themselves to question Robinson, but Robinson told them that he had no idea where she was, and a later search of the home turned up nothing. Hmm. So, initially, it seems, take it my word, I don't know where she is, so they actually searched the house initially for any sign. They couldn't find anything. Mm -hmm. So, eventually, it seems like he's clear. However, Robinson remains hovering in the investigation, so officers decided to take a second interview. Again, Robinson denies anything, knowing anything about Pipkin's disappearance. But Robinson would later be revealed as a notorious liar during oh, the investigation really? by both authorities and people who considered to be his friends. Hmm. Robinson actually would come to be charged with obstruction of justice in connection with Angie's disappearance. Interesting. The charge stemmed from misleading information given to detectives during the investigation. Sounds a lot like um, Sidney Moore yes. and, the, and the Heather Elvis. If people have listened to that podcast already you'll know that in both these cases there's no body but they're pretty sure they know who did something so they charge them with obstruction of justice because they didn't tell the full truth mm -hmm. it's very odd the way like these play out it's almost i don't want to say formulaic but uh -huh. it seems to have a very predictable play out yeah which is never resolved but anyway thankfully hers hers was yes gail pipkin said police would later tell her that Robinson would actually come to admit that he did actually see her daughter that night and brought her to Saucasty. To her? Like, she told police that he admitted it to her? Sounds like it. Rob Robinson would admit to cops that he saw Angie Oh, that he night. told police that. Yes. Okay. So this is, a, this is officers telling Gail. Gail. Got it. Okay. I, I had it backwards. Robson came, confessed. He came clean. He told us that he actually did, was with Angie Did that he night. saw her, and then, and then he said he did take her from the IGA to Sacristy? Mm -hmm. Robson admitted to officers he bought Angie batteries at for her cell phone at a pharmacy in Sacristy, hmm. and then he kicked her, actually, the two actually had a fight that night, and he ended up kicking Angie out of his car by the 707 gun shop and actually returned the batteries to the pharmacy. Oh my gosh. So it's very interesting. So it was a very eventful night. And it sounds like the relationship, which we already knew, but it was very volatile. It was very volatile. It was, they couldn't live with each other, but they couldn't live without each other. Right. That old toxic relationship. Yeah. So despite this dispute, Angie would still somehow manage to end up in Robinson's car once again, and she would be back at his house. That same night? That same night. Oh, wow. Okay. So this is an eventful night. So it was a very quick turnaround. Using cell phone records, police actually came to believe that Pipkin was still alive at 3.30 a.m. the next morning. Okay. But after that, something obviously went terribly wrong. No more pings. No more pings. Mm -hmm. Her 
phone was last traced to be at Robinson's house. Oh, interesting. Before it went out. Now a marked target in the investigation, a search warrant was served at Robinson's home on Sullivan's Drive in Merle's Inlet. Basically, Robinson couldn't hide any longer. Mm -hmm. He was completely under the microscope. Mm -hmm. And on March 6th, the Ord County Major Crimes Unit took Randy Robinson into custody for the second time. This time, he was charged for the murder of 32-year-old Angela Pipkin. Wow. Okay. How did they get to that conclusion? Still no body, right? Still no body. So the arrest warrant filed that very day, and this was based off of evidence that they gathered and witness testimonies. Okay. So a lot basically correlated and materialized Mm -hmm. to form this arrest warrant. Mm -hmm. And it reveals, unfortunately, a very grisly fate for Angie Pipkin. Oh, no. The warrant reveals by January 17th, Randy Robinson, while at his home along Sullivan's Drive in Merle's Inlet, quote, did with malice strike Angie Pipkin, which resulted in her death. Hmm. The warrant alleges, the warrant alleges, Robson then dismembered Pipkin's body <gasps> and dumped it in a body of water in Darlington County. Oh my gosh. <sighs> I mean, that's a real turn I didn't expect. So somehow without a body, but through witness testimony and whatever evidence they've found, they determined that he, he struck her. So he hit her with something or somehow she died and then he dismembered her. He cut her up and dumped her into water. Oh. hide any trace of her. Uh, God, nobody deserves that end. Nobody. Not even if I wouldn't want... Yeah, your worst enemy, you wouldn't want that to happen to No. You. It's just... And it's interesting just, like, going back into the story, just how quickly it escalated mm-hmm. to that point. Right. So, at first, they're buying cell phone batteries. Then he's kicking her out of his truck. Then he texts about the cell phone batteries back, and then they're back together again somehow. So, gosh... And it's interesting because Robinson's arrest came only hours after police began searching the PD River Landing in Darlington County for evidence connected to Angie's disappearance. Oh, so they were searching where they thought that she had been. The Darlington, it turns out the Darlington County Sheriff's Office received a tip the previous day. Oh. According to Wayne Bird, the Darlington County Sheriff, the tip entailed something being recently thrown over a bridge, which raised suspicion. Huh. That's interesting. So somebody maybe just driving by saw somebody dumping something over a bridge. Wow. So now all eyes turn towards the waterways in Darlington County in hopes of now making a pretty grim discovery. Mm. These poor parents. It's we. Gail Pipkin was interviewed during this search, Mm -hmm. and she's just distraught. Yeah. She has because you know she wants them to find something so that she can get so she'll know for sure. Closure, but. You know, she also doesn't want them to find anything. It's, I would feel it's a very... That small glimmer of hope that you're going to find your daughter alive is right. all but gone when they're searching the right. waterways. Yeah, I would guess trace. so. So now all eyes turn to the waterways in Darlington County in hopes of making a grim discovery. The search was along the Great Petey River landing along Highway 34 between Darlington and Marlboro County. Okay, that, I mean, that's a bit of nowhere. It is. It's out in the middle right. of nowhere. And unfortunately, if you want to think of it, if there's a place you wanted to discard remains, <sighs> that, would be it. that would be the one to do it. Mm. And the search, so morale's obviously low going into this. Mm-hmm. And the search faced heavy setbacks from the very beginning. It was very much a case of man versus nature. Mm. That Thursday, rain had moved into the area and it actually continued through Friday, which proved to be a major setback for the search crews. 
divers couldn't find anything mm -hmm. because falling raindrops because rain disturbed the surface water which caused low visibility mm -hmm. so they couldn't see anything plus just to be clear they think he killed her on january 17th this is almost two months later that they're searching right so i mean it's gonna be a difficult task they, no matter what officials that were interviewed during the search says that this was going to be tough yeah this was not going to be easy right and the river but also another thing the river was so high at the time which created dangerous situations for divers oh yeah so they're um they're up against a, a pretty high some yeah a lot of challenges here. a lot of challenges tons of challenges but the search kept growing divers with the department of natural resources were called by county authorities to aid in the search all this while the landing was closed And as time passed, a massive manhunt only intensified to find whatever they could be found, of, whatever could be found of Angie. Mm -hmm. By Saturday, April 19th, six agencies were involved in the search. Wow. Six, Did you say April 19th? April 19th. Okay, so we're now three months after she's three disappeared months. and mm -hmm. probably killed. And these agencies include North Charleston, Williamsburg County, Horry County, the Department of Natural Resources, Darlington County Fire and Rescue, and the Center for Missing Persons Center, they're all scouring the river. Mm. Divers from North Charleston search with a, with a side scan sonar, so technology is getting involved here. Chief Deputy Jerry Thompson said DNR officials searched in the PD River twice a week and searched through the tributaries with a boat but could find nothing. Mm. Also, you, you and I have driven past these areas. It's very swampy, right? It's 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 rural. It's swampy. It's rural, and and they're looking for pieces of a body, not even a whole body. I can imagine that must have been a very difficult task. It's it's very much a, I mean, for lack of a better word, needle and haystack. Yeah. To be honest, right. And it's, and another challenge I believe is they didn't. In a sense, they knew what they were looking for, but they didn't exactly know what they were looking for. Right. How much or how little of Angie was still going to be there. left to find. It could have just be bones, right? During, um, and officials actually shared that there was a lingering fear because conditions were so bad. Authorities wouldn't be able to find any t anything until the summer. At mm. that point, if they were even going to find anything at all. Right. At this point... Pipkin's mother, Gail, told reporters she had a feeling all along that something bad had happened to her daughter, which is understandable, so all hope was kind gone. Of gone yeah. It's lost. She's just, she said, quote, she's just distraught beside herself because she knew from the beginning that something bad had happened. This is coming from an official describing mm -hmm. Gail Pipkin. So she just had this mother instinct, probably. The cycle of searching and finding no answers would carry on for over a month, from March until May. But finally, on May 14th, a road worker who's cleaning out brush along the river's edge came across a human torso. Oh, wow. Minus its legs, arms, and head. Oh. It was Angie. Going back to the discovery, however, even that was a process. As we're familiar with crime stories because we seem to report them so often and we've covered similar stories before, even up to recently, unfortunately, water can have a very devastating effect on a body's shape. Mm -hmm. uh, the torso, from what was reported, was mostly just bones from the decay. Mm. Deputy solicitor Willie Thompson would later reveal some of Pipkin's skin was almost mummified. Mm. So one way, in a rather, in rather graphic way, one way officials were able to possibly identify what was left of the body 
forensic pathologists were able to rehydrate the skin and find tattoos that would make a positive match. Wow, that's incredible. So there was enough skin left. I mean, she, this was not just a rib cage or whatever. Wow, that's incredible. So a very grim discovery, and yet there is some sense of conclusion in the investigation that they found Angie. Right. And, but you also want to go back. So how was it that authorities were able to make these charges against Randy Robinson? Before they found this torso. Exactly. Yeah. So going back to the morning of January 17th, the allegations that led to the murder charges against Robinson were based on witness statements and physical evidence gathered through the course of the investigation. Mm -hmm. So we'd come to learn that Robinson actually called a friend to help him dispose of what he claimed to be was a dismembered hog back in January 2014. Oh my gosh. That friend, whose name was Thomas Suggs, later reported to police that the remains of Robinson pulled out of plastic bags to dump into the Great Petey River were actually human. Jeez, he had them in plastic bags. Suggs was, wasn't, he wasn't actually charged in the case, interestingly enough, and he told police he and Robinson actually burned their clothes, a tarp, plastic bags, and a trash container used in transporting the remains to the river. Well, he certainly knew he was doing something wrong then if he burned his clothes, but my God, can you imagine? This is a gruesome question, but do we know how he dismembered her? Was that ever? It was never revealed. Okay. We just know. Probably a better that it wasn't. Probably, yes. Suggs was, Suggs showed police where the remains were dumped and other witnesses came forward to tell officers of Robinson's, quote, bizarre behavior in the time leading up to Pipkin's disappearance and the time afterwards. Mm. Apparently, friends of Robinson would come to claim when interviewed by officials, Robinson was bragging that he knew how to kill someone with a blow to the throat. <sighs> what an awful person and what an idiot for telling people that. I think it was, and we would come to learn that Robinson felt he did such a good job in essentially getting away with murder so basically what we've seen, officials were able to gather evidence that showed that Robinson was essentially getting cocky mm. in these months after Angie's disappearance. You would think that, I guess if you want to see it in a dark way, he was getting off of an adrenaline high from murdering somebody and not immediately suffering the consequences for it. Yeah, I can see that. He, he allowed, seems like the type of guy who might do that. He allowed things to slip, exactly. Unfortunately for him, people have ears and they have memories. Mm -hmm. And so those came into play that eventually led to his downfall. A jailhouse informant gets thrown into the mix. He ended up confessing that Robinson himself confessed to Pipkin. He confessed to him killing Pipkin by apparently striking her, quote, a little too hard in the head and that she, quote, got what she deserved. Huh. Gosh, and this is after he had bragged that he knew how to kill somebody with a black to the throat or something? Yeah, this is all around the same time, mm -hmm. and friends started picking up that there's something off about this guy. Something's wrong. Yeah. And uh, it, was, it was interesting because other information that we have, a sales receipt and store surveillance footage showed Robinson purchased a pressure washer after Pipkin's murder and neighbors told police they thought it was odd to see him pressure washing his truck, garage, and driveway in the middle of January. Oh my gosh, so he must have done it in his garage. Wow. And then transported her body in his truck, obviously. So 
we're able to piece by piece formulate a timeline of ex exactly, at least to some degree, how he did it and what he did. The steps that he, how he hid the, or, you know, tried to get rid of the body. And cover his tracks. And cover his tracks. I got it. Okay. It was interesting. And then another point, a Grand Strand waitress actually recognized Robinson and called police. She told them Robinson had been coming into the restaurant where she worked. He was flirting with her and apparently offered her a ring, which police <gasps> showed to Gail Pipkin, who confirmed the ring had belonged to her missing daughter. Oh, my God. What a terrible human being. And another witness told police he actually rode with Robinson from Murrow's Inlet to Florence back on January 11th before all this took place uh -huh. and said during the trip, he said Robinson constantly brought up, quote, this Pipkin woman who had taken his car and his money. So he was pissed or he was upset at this point. He was. And it's... I mean, he filed two police reports, right? I mean... I feel... I feel and this can, can be interpreted in many different ways. I felt what possibly led to this tectonic eruption was Pipkin took away his manhood in mm. a sense. You take away a guy's truck and you take away his money. Uh -huh. it, it's his pride. There's going to be nothing that... but conflict. Mm -hmm. Essentially. He re and going back to the guy who was riding with Robinson to Florence, he remembered Robinson saying, quote, I would find her, cut her up, and take her where she would never be found. He had a vision that she loved him and that they would live together, but she didn't want that. Oh, so he, this friend thinks that he cared about her. She didn't feel the same way or as much as he did, and that was part of the reason, too. And, and again, it's further going into pride. Right. So he's, she's depriving him of content and love, mm -hmm. essentially. He wanted it from her, and she didn't give it to him. It also shows that he was planning it beforehand. It was premeditated, no question. And... So this is a man that obviously had time and carried out his violent act at a time that he saw fit. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, a 32-year-old local woman who's a mother of two paid a price for it. Mm. And so Robinson, once he was arrested, he was served the murder, uh, the murder warrant. He actually remained in jail w awaiting trial for two years. Wow, our justice system is so slow sometimes. Exactly. And so, until, so Robinson was initially charged with murder, but he actually ended up pleading guilty to voluntary manslaughter and obstruction of justice in the case. Hmm, so a plea deal. Plea deal, essentially. Robinson, and, and this is according to attorneys, Robinson was initially charged with murder, but he was allowed to plead guilty to voluntary manslaughter to, quote, spare the Pipkin family from having to sit through days of a grueling trial that would have upset them more than what they already were. Mm, understandable. And on November 14th, 2016, Robinson received 30 years for the voluntary manslaughter charge and 10 years for the obstruction of justice charges. So 40 years in jail. 40 years. To me, one thing that, I mean, I totally get it, that sparing the family is very important after all they've been through. But to me, manslaughter means you didn't mean to do it. And you think about him cutting apart her body, you know? I was, when I was first going through the sentencing, I feel this is extremely generous. Yeah. I mean, he could have gotten a death penalty, you know? It's easy. Yeah. Premeditated murder. Would, but I get why people do it, you know? I, but 
I, there's something unsatisfying about that. Very. And defense attorneys contend Robinson did not lure Angie Pipkin to his home with the intent to murder her, referencing previous communications Robinson had had with Pipkin's grandfather, telling him to come pick Angie, Angie up. He had two phone calls to police the night she was killed. Robinson and his attorneys blamed the horrible crime on drugs, alcohol, and emotion, hmm. vouching that Robinson was not a cold-blooded killer. Of course, they're going to say that. That's what they're hired to do. Exactly. And they said what happened that night was inexcusable and horrible, but they followed up with the voluntary manslaughter plea was definitely appropriate. Hmm. One of Robinson's attorneys pointed Randy had a history of drug and alcohol, alcohol abuse, once again, saying he started drinking again after his parents died. She said he suffers from pancre- pancreatitis and psoriasis of the liver. Cirrhosis, so, meaning he was an alcoholic. Yeah, so we, let's go back okay. to that. One of Robinson's attorneys pointed out, again, referencing his previous drug and alcohol use, mm-hmm. saying he started drinking again after his parents died. She said Robinson suffered from pancreatitis and cirrhosis of the liver. Which was what damage you do to yourself when you drink a heck of a lot. So, in a way, they're using one of Robinson's sins as an excuse for another, uh-huh. which I feel is just not, it's not acceptable. It's no. not morally right. Yeah. It, 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 it was, it, to me, I feel it was very hard to f- come up with reasons not to label this man for what he truly is. Right. And I get it. A defense attorney's job is to soften the blow, right? If they can't prove that he didn't do it, then they're going to say, look, he had all these issues, you know? But, yeah. But ultimately, the courtroom that day belonged to the Pipkin family. Oh, good. Several members of Angie Pipkin's family were there. They went before the judge, including her nine-year-old daughter at the time, asking for the maximum sentence. Mm. Angie's mother, Gail, and her oldest daughter, Taylor, both said after the lengthy sentencing procedure, they didn't believe that Robinson was really sorry throughout all this, Mm -hmm. saying his physical mannerisms didn't indicate at any point that he had any sorrow at all. Mm -hmm. And later in the courtroom, Gail said, quote, I didn't really expect an apology just because of how he is in the whole situation. Pipkin's oldest daughter, Taylor, said it very blatantly. He's a monster. Mm. He really is. Mm-hmm. My mom was one of the best people who ever walked this earth. And I just encourage people to seriously look at their family and tell them every day how much you love them because you never know when you're going to have their last moment with them. He will never know. Mm. I'm referring to Robinson. Mm-hmm. And Gail Pipkin also said very honestly, she said, quote, The decision was made to kill her, dismember her body, and drop her into the river like she was trash. Ugh. And she said, thank God he's not going to be able to get out. He's going to have to be in their prison for mm-hmm. a very long time to do what he did to my daughter. I just don't see how anybody can do that to another human being. I can only imagine, I mean, like, you know, the part about treating her like trash. That's, that's got to be the worst thing for the mother, your precious child that you love. And she's right. He, he did treat her like trash. Like, literally putting her in plastic bags and throwing her it's, off a bridge. It's truly the, in my opinion, what could be like one of the worst fates of someone. Yeah. It's not 
someone living to be 90 and dying warm in their bed and right. you know having a, a peaceful burial it's not that at all this violent this death was violent it was traumatic it just left them with such a gaping wound in yeah. their heart that will in my opinion will probably take them the rest of their lives yeah. they'll never recover from Those it poor little girls young young girls it's interesting because Angie's oldest daughter Taylor I've seen interviews from her recently um mm-hmm I've seen interviews with her in the months following Angie's disappearance and she actually has a beautiful singing voice and she said that she would sing with her mom and it's just and this is can go back to back to the very beginning you know who was Angie Pipkin Mm -hmm. she was she was a daughter she was a mother she was someone who was very well beloved by the people who were in her life and even if she was troubled she was loved, and she didn't deserve this. And that's what love is, loving someone despite any their flaws. Right. And going back, so the Pippigan family was obviously very well supported by the community mm-hmm. in, in, in the time of the, all this. Uh, basically, um, a nonprofit missing persons advocacy network actually offered to help pay for Angie's Pipkin, Angie's funeral Oh, wow. That's time. nice. And so they, they got the support in the, t- in, in the time that they really needed it. Um, going back, Angie was buried on May 31st, 2014 at Grace Baptist Temple Church. Um, her burial followed at Ainer Cemetery. And Angie, of course, has not been forgotten mm-hmm. since her death. In interviews in the years following, her daughters and mother have said they still remember her. But again... It hasn't gotten any easier. Mm-hmm. WMBF News attended a vigil that was held in her memory a year after she disappeared. Mm-hmm. Her friends and family were there, gathered to remember her with a vigil to share their favorite memories. Taylor, her oldest daughter, said, quote, Probably one, the one thing I miss most about my mom is her smile, her hugs, waking up every morning, getting to see her. I don't get to do that anymore. Now, those who knew Angie said they woke up hoping the last year was just a dream the time since angie vanished has been torture for the family but her daughter taylor says everyone is trying their best to she just to keep pushing she said quote we're not perfect we get sad we get angry we lash out it's a hurtful process this doesn't just happen to people every day honestly i feel like i want more closure than everybody else and other families said and other family members say closure is something that that may never come and said they have to keep healing and more importantly keep angie's memory and spirit alive she has legacy she has two daughters that will exist in this world and go out and tell people about her and at least there's that and i feel especially in taylor and what i've seen she has such a wisdom and she's she probably so, had to grow up way too young. So like old, like mature for mm-hmm. her age. An old soul. And I feel though, that was the case before her mom disappeared. I mm. feel, and I feel a lot of that hat is attributed to Angie. Mm-hmm. I really do. And so, you know, when we're, when the con- time comes for all of us, when we're dead and gone, hopefully there will be others. We leave a piece of ourselves with people that we love that carry it on for us. And I feel like that's the case with Angie. Um, in the simplest terms, and I guess in closing out, in the simplest terms, 
this story seems as though it's a complete one. Mm-hmm. Uh, a crime was committed. There was a victim. The killer was caught and is now locked up, probably for the rest of his life. But a family, even though they're without a mother or a daughter, they have memories and they have the love for her. And sometimes that's the best we can hope for. Yes. So I feel I got to know Angie during the story. Mm-hmm. It's obviously it's a story that I wish had a very different outcome. Or right. And if, honestly, we wouldn't be here if Angie didn't suffer the fate that she did. Right. But I believe in this profession, the best way we can honor someone is by telling their story as best as we can. I absolutely agree. Um, again, this was producer Jack Vandertoll with WMBF News telling the story of Angie Pipkin. Thank you for listening to Carolina True Crime, a podcast presented by WMBF News. To learn more about the story you heard here and other mysteries and crimes from across the Carolinas, go to our website, wmbfnews.com.